welcome to this week's Hotel Analyst podcast, where, as usual, you're going to get 20 minutes or so of thoughts on matters of the moment in and around the hotel uh, and in operational real estate investment space uh, from me, Chris Bound, the editor at Hotel Analyst, and Andrew Sankster, the editorial director of Hotel Analyst. Now, we're going to start by talking about the Middle East and specifically uh, Saudi Arabia, uh, where it seems um, barely a day goes by at the moment without another hotel brand signing up to uh, a hotel somewhere in one of several major uh, projects that Saudi Arabia is is getting stuck into as they look to not just catch up but perhaps even eclipse Dubai um, as the way they, as a as the, a place where everyone just simply will have to go for a. Uh, a, a leisure break uh, before it's very long. Now, Andrew, you've been over there taking a much closer look geographically and and metaphorically um, by, by visiting the GeoHIS conference uh, in Abu Dhabi. And uh, you've got a, a few thoughts having been there and done it. Yeah, indeed. So they had a session dedicated to what's going on in the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia. Um, and it is absolutely mind-boggling and <clears throat> the whole piece of the, the the middle east there has been phenomenal um what's gone on in in dubai <clears throat> then abu dhabi then qatar and now um ksa i mean it's quite incredible and ksa is the mother of all tourism developments really so their vision 2030 program is just incredible um I mean, the overall number here is for all real estate projects and not just hospitality, but they're talking about 750 billion, which has been earmarked. I mean, it's just incredible. So it's over half a trillion um, US dollars. Um, um, it, it, um, what, what that is going to do is uh, raise their visitor numbers um, up to 100 million. And it's going to take or require something like... Um, 400,000 hotel rooms um, that are going to be needed which is just uh, a gobsmacking number actually and, and this is not just the biggest set of hospitality development projects that there's ever been but it's also probably the most consequential which is what makes this um, such a big deal um, really because it's the future it's the future of Saudi Arabia um, and it's the future of that whole Gulf region really because if Saudi falls over I think it's going to create huge problems uh, amongst all its neighbours as well so it's absolutely critical that this um, this works um, and you know who knows for sure but certainly the amount of money that's being spent here is is incredible and you know just as we're about to um, record this podcast uh, there, there were news about uh, the Saudis creating a new airline um, which is uh, going to rival Emirates and um, Etihad in the region and and do that sort of long-haul leisure traveler and and bring them to Saudi um, as part of that that um, perhaps on the way to somewhere else um, so it, it's going to be um, it, it, the nature and scale of this is incredible and there's a lot of uh, um, should we say um, difficult political um, conversations around this because it's not exactly um, shall we say the most politically correct uh, <laughs> uh, regime that's there um, but it is moving in the right direction. Um, there's huge changes underway in in the society. An ultra um, 
um, conservative religious society which uh, you know, didn't allow until very recently women to drive didn't even have cinemas and gradually we're, we're seeing change there and if we look at the rate of progress elsewhere in the Gulf so in Dubai for example um, not only are they serving alcohol but they've um, cut the tax on it at the beginning of this year we saw a 30% the 30% tax on alcohol was slashed to zero and clearly um, Dubai sees the threat coming from the Saudis um, realizes that alcohol is one of those uh, um, elements they need to offer um, if they are to build up even further their tourism um, and in another emirate we we see gambling coming in as well in 2026 we're going to see a, a thousand room casino open up something like two and a half billion US dollar um, investment for the win margin property um, so it's a rapid pace of change we're seeing there um, and you know for me as a hospitality journalist what makes it so exciting is to see that hospitality is actually at the, the is a cornerstone of this um, development this transition that um, that region is going to have to make as we switch out of uh, oil and fossil fuels um, I suspect is probably going to go way beyond 2050 um, where we have a demand for oil but certainly by the end of this century um, you, you wouldn't want to be uh, banking on making cash out of them um, extracting oil um, the Saudis know this and they're and they are moving to change their economy and they are changing it with hospitality at the center of that change and now before we carry on a quick word from our sponsors Yes, um, so this is a Pelican Purchasing Group and they are a team of procurement specialists with an in-house e-procurement system supporting hospitality operators to help their businesses thrive. They help F&B operators and general managers improve profitability, free up precious time and reduce their carbon footprint. With their 30 years of experience, they develop proven solutions to help hotel operators to overcome the most significant pain points to enhance their operations and customer offering. They carry out impartial advice and benchmarking analysis to give you a free health check of your business. Plus, their services and systems are self-funded and there is no contract, fees or commission. That's Pelican Purchasing Group. Thank you, Andrew. And now we're going to carry on with our next topic, which is we're taking a look at the uh, the business of the vertically integrated hotel groups, uh, PPHE and Delata, who recently reported their uh, their 2022 results. But we we're also able to have a chat with uh, uh, Delata CEO Dermot Crowley and uh, with the finance director at PPHE, Daniel Cos, to hear of how things are accelerating into 2023. Both these businesses are feeling and sounding supremely confident they've seen uh, business come back strongly and uh, they're both now looking to catapult their businesses forward um delar's got a very strong development program in in the uk marketplace they recently signed their first uh, hotel in mainland europe in germany um so they're keen to keep on growing and in fact they recently nipped in and bought a, a hotel that was going spare in uh, in london um, and then PPHE, well, they are also looking to catapult themselves out of uh, the pandemic and grow faster and have 
just uh, announced that their previous financing partner, Cloud Insurance, has now agreed to support them in the development of a, uh, a European hotel fund, which could grow to as big as 500 million euros um, and support uh, their, the acquisition of hotels that PPHE will then run under one or other of the Radisson flags they are now uh, supporting. So exciting times and both supremely positive for the future. Yeah, I think the thing that links uh, PPHE to LATA, and you also in your story referenced the, the privately held CAN group, um, they are owner operators, so sort of good old fashioned, if you like, mm. although I would say they're not old fashioned. Mm -hmm. um, they're, if you like, a new breed of owner operator. And they're really doubling down on being an integrator owner operator. Um, they have that linkage between the opco and the propco, um, and they're exploiting that control they have through vertical integration. So if you look at Delata, um, what they talk about is um, having you know a brand um not just for the consumer but also a brand for employees and they they highlighted this uh, employer brand in their their results their full year results um but um that the, the the real edge is this real estate investment linked with the operating platform alongside the the people element and the operations element these vertically integrated players um, have financing skills acquisition skills development skills and design and Delata highlighted all of these as core areas of expertise to drive their their business forward and similarly when PPHE launched its fund um, what they said was investors in the fund will be able to benefit from and tap into PPHE's integrated owner operator model, driving optimal operating performance through enhanced access to world recognized brands, as well as an uplift in real estate value. So it is it is the actual polar opposite of the asset light strategy uh, deployed by the global majors and which really we've been um, entirely focused on um for the last couple of decades but you know there's there has been talk about the global majors or maybe they'll change strategy and go back to a sort of asset intense strategy i don't think that's likely at all um but i do think there's a space for these players these smaller companies but vertically integrated companies they do reach a point however when in in terms of growth the way forward is going to be asset light um, and if, if you listen to what PPHE says you listen to Delata they talk quite a bit about you know looking for management contracts wanting management contracts as well um, and that asset like growth um, is very tempting and appealing right now um, there's plenty of runway ahead for PPHE and Delata to continue their current vertical integration but they will reach a point like the global majors where they decide to shift into asset light but for now um, they are very interesting um, alternatives um, to the global majors now as the world starts to get back to normal we are all hailing the return of long-haul flying and of long-haul travelers uh, particularly those of us who run hotels in major uh, international city destinations um, the graphs are are pointing upwards that's great news um, there seems to be some debate about uh, whether and when um, the 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 inbound numbers will kind of approach the same levels 
that they were pre-pandemic in certain parts of the world and some of that may be down to consumer sentiment some of that may be down to the fact that we've got uh, economic issues in certain parts of the world and then also there's there's a whole issue of of getting enough planes in the sky again we've seen a very unusual situation where some of the uh, aircraft that were kind of parked in a desert and expected to be torn up into bits because they were never going to be used again are suddenly being dusted off and put back into service because uh, there's there's not enough new planes so let's have a, a second hand one quick and get going so uh, some interesting adjustment as the world gets back to uh, travelling again at sort of levels that we've previously seen. Yes, um, I've been surprised at how poor, um, it's not just airlines actually, it's airlines, airports and air traffic control, mm -hmm. um, they've been very poor at getting back to um, the capacity levels they had pre-pandemic and um, in, in actual fact we're, we're quite away, away from um, being back at that level and of course until we get to that um, that whole long-haul travel piece is clearly going to be quite subdued now there's a couple of things going on here um, one is that some airfares are shooting through the roof right now as anybody who's trying to book a flight will tell you it's uh, uh, every bit of the the plane is um, completely packed on my flight to the middle east i had a, a bunch of people who'd paid for business class but ended up in economy Ooh. um Bounced yes quite down. um yes they, they weren't happy about yeah. that at all um as you can imagine um i remember trip i remember trip once back from canada where the very grumpy man got bounced down and sat next to me <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's yeah yes it's a, not a good good um experience i guess so um but uh yeah so the, the good old days of being you know upgraded are, are way behind us i think but um i looked at some numbers from iata the airline trade body just to see where we're at and uh, i go into this in some depth in the uh, written piece that goes out to subscribers i won't go through all of that but um the key point i think is that uh, we are significantly down still in terms of capacity so whereas hotel occupancy is now back up to where it was uh in 2019 uh there or thereabouts um so um the latest figures from coast rstr um index to january 2019 and january 2023 uh, north america 98 middle east actually above 2019 levels at 101 and europe uh, 94 um so we we are gradually seeing a um uh you know well, gradually we've seen a very rapid recovery in terms of the hotel piece um and that is largely domestic uh tourism um and it, it's not so much driven by this um long haul which is still way below where it was so in, in actual number terms um so if, we, if we're talking about capacity um so um this is uh, available seat kilometers which i are to use when they talk about capacity um in europe we're about 7.2 percent down when you compare january 23 with january 29 um even in the middle east where we've talked about the booming hotels the the ask the 
capacity measure is still down 16.2%. Quite astonishing and not surprising Asia Pac is the, the hardest hit down 26%. Um, percent. So we've got these uh, very negative um, figures and we've, we've had actually um, no, fairly steady growth rather than hotels which have snapped back um that the whole airline piece has come back much more gradually and doesn't show any signs of a sudden um increase either so i think it's going to take a, a good two or three years before we're fully back to where we were in that long haul travel piece i mean we just mentioned about the Saudis launching a uh, new airline. I think that is very good news in the medium term, and it's clearly going to be there. But I think the reality is right now that what we're talking about is uh, the, the long haul travel return is much more of a gentle breeze on your back rather than a full scale tailwind. Mm. Now we're going to turn to our five star and no star awards for this week. And five stars are going to Citizen M, who've uh, rearranged a 480 million euro refinancing in the form of a sustainability-linked loan. So they've got uh, funding from uh, HSBC, ABN AMRO, and REL Bank, um, a combined package of euro and sterling denominated uh, uh, lending. But uh, the uh, deal has committed them to uh, hitting a certain number of uh, ESG targets, which will include reducing operating CO2 emissions in the hotel business and and uh, obviously ensuring that the buildings they take on and build are ever greener and more energy efficient. Um, no word about whether they've actually managed to extract a little bit of a... Um, margin discount on this loan <laughs> everyone's kept quiet about that but uh, well done anyway for uh, taking this step and and basically binding yourselves to um, uh, a greener path uh, we have got for uh, some one or two uh, long running hotels in Scotland that are closing down and one that particularly uh, brought a tear to my eye was to see the fact that Earth Castle Hotel is closing down. I fondly remember staying a night there many years ago when I was a young journalist um, and uh, a, uh, a very excited Halfords was keen to show us all what they were doing with their business. We were sent up to Earth Castle Hotel for the night. We were entertained over dinner by some young bright up-and-coming comedians called uh, Fry and Laurie, and um, we took off from. Yeah, well, I, I think, think they did. They, they've done well, quite well. Um, and <laughs> and then we took off from the lawn in front of the hotel uh, by helicopter the next morning, uh, and were uh, treated to a day out in a helicopter, looking at different Halford stores up and down the nation, and ending up back in London for the end of the afternoon. It's a sad. Um, tale about what's happened to the state of the trade press actually that trips like that um will never be <laughs> on Indeed. the agenda i think um, <laughs> um no it's uh they're, they're all in the memory now never mind and on, <laughs> on that reminiscent note we'll say goodbye for now <laughs>